Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We record Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, the organization has more than 5,500 employees and includes eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, urgent cares, and professional centers. Its flagship hospital, Oxner LGMC, is the region's only level two trauma center and one of two teaching hospitals in Acadiana. Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and makes caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General maintains its commitment to keeping care local and making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit oxner.org slash Lafayette. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lafayette-based Vimed, a national leader in post-acute respiratory care and sleep therapy. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you may have undiagnosed sleep apnea. Vimed, right here in Acadiana, can assist with in-home sleep testing, CPAP equipment, and a personal sleep coach. For existing CPAP users, Vimed can help you maintain a restful sleep schedule through supplies and maintenance tips. Visit vimed.com forward slash sleep or call 866-852-8343 for more details. Chris Granger, owner of Seven Oaks Grand Coteau LLC and Maison Title, joins us today to discuss his growing real estate empire. Only 35 years old and the father of five boys, Chris owns several hundred residential and commercial properties, which include the former Jefferson Street Pub, now known as the Jefferson, as well as Abacus. He also has a thriving title agency located in Freetown in the old Petro House on Jefferson Street. Last year, as we conducted our yearly business recap with the Acadiana Advocates business editor, Adam Daigle, we both agreed that Chris Granger deserved to be recognized as the 2023 Business Catalyst of the Year. Chris, I want to thank you for joining us today and discussing your incredible journey And as I realized before we started the show, you have so much that I don't know anything about. So I've been looking forward to letting you introduce yourself to a larger audience and and sharing your entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely, Jan. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Thank you to you and Adam. Uh, Super flattered, humbled, grateful um, that y'all view me kind of in that light. Oh, definitely. Uh, Yeah, and I'm excited to kind of tell you about myself. Before I knew who you were, I would hear these rumblings about somebody bought the Jefferson Street Pub building and something may happen, or somebody bought this or that, but I didn't put it all together um, until the end of the year. And actually, you've just been in business, like serious business, for the past seven years, and you've accumulated a, a huge number of properties. So I just want you to tell me what got you in the real estate business and what what started that bug. Yeah, so um, I've kind of always been interested in real estate. 
Um, I bought my first, you know, home when I was uh, in my third year of law school. Um, last semester, it was going to be kind of the, f- you know, the first home where my wife and I were going to live. Um, and so we bought that uh, in my third year of law school. Um, about a year later, kind of moved into a larger home um, with a growing family. And instead of selling that first home, we kept it and rented it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it where worked, was that? It was in Grankato. Uh, it worked beautifully. Um, kind of got my feet wet on it. Um, and then it just made perfect sense. You know, I have this asset that's worth, you know, $70,000 and I don't have to pay for it. I have someone else that's going to basically buy it for me um, through the rent. Um, and it just, the kind of the light bulbs went off and it's like, well, mm-hmm. man, what happens if I can scale this thing and instead of one, I can have, you know, 25 or uh, when I first started, my goal was to have 40 by 40. That oh was my like goodness. my mantra. I was like, I'm going to have 40 by 40, 40 uh-huh. rentals by 40 years old. And uh, it happened a little bit quicker than that. Did you have partners? Like I know you were based, you're, you're based out of Grand Coteau in Lafayette, Correct. Uh, Maison Title. Can you talk about that? Like you were getting out of law school, uh, I don't know how many children you had when you and your wife owned the lived in the Grand Coteau house, but when I mean I want to hear about what was going on in your mind as you thought through this. Yeah, so when I first got out of law school um, at 25, which would have been 2013, I got a job at a firm here in Lafayette um, that did a lot of like municipal work, kind of business litigation, and had a title company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got assigned to the title company side of it. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of what got me into the the real estate title. It's so uh, I much didn't easier. have a design. Yeah. Like I didn't come out of law school thinking I'm going to be a title attorney. Right. Uh, but once you deal with a few closings, you see that it's it's you it's, know like clockwork when it, you follow and it's happy follow law. the law. It's very happy law. You know, and so ninety nine percent of the cases. Ninety nine percent of the cases. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, you got a happy buyer, happy seller, happy realtors, happy lenders. Everyone, mm-hmm. it's a good happy time. title attorney. Happy title attorney. <laughs> uh, and then, so I did that for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, knew that the goal was always to work for myself. I wasn't going to be the guy that worked for a firm for 25 years. And so mm-hmm. uh, extremely grateful for the experience that I had there. Learned a lot. There were some really incredible attorneys there that I worked under. Um, but kind of the time came where I was going to transition into my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened in 2018. In Grand Coteau. In Grand Coteau, yep. So mm-hmm. I opened up in this really small little office. Yeah. Um, on the main of, drag? On the main drag, yes, yep. ma'am. So if you're familiar with Grand Coteau, there's one red light. And if you take a left at it, you go to the Academy of Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. I was right before that red light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I opened up there. Uh, and my wife's cousin was also an attorney in town, uh, Ben. And so we kind of decided to move into the same office to split costs at mm-hmm. first. And then it turned into a little uh, a partnership. Um, and I started Maison Title with him. Uh, and then about a year and a half later, we brought in uh, Justin Leger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, he became the third partner in Maison Title. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, kind of business started to take off. We rebranded, new logo. I love um, your logo with the ducks. I mean, it's just. Yeah, so it's, it's really cool. I guess those are ducks or geese, but mm-hmm. flying over So L- Leah, our, our branding mm-hmm. and marketing director, uh, that's an old painting that I found in a rent house. Uh, and Leah basically painted the logo into the painting, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. She's extremely talented. Uh, but our our lettering or our font is actually based off an old sweet potato label. And Sunset Grand Coteau is the sweet potato capital of the world. And if oh. that's where I was set in my office, it wow. was like, let me connect I myself to here. And so yeah. Justin, Ben, and I kind of found some sweet potato labels we liked. We found an artist in New Orleans, uh, and she came up with our font. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we got the Maison Title logo. Um, I like that. Don't do anything halfway, right? We're here with Jason Sikor. Yeah, I want to mention yeah. Jason's listening and, and recording us. You don't do things just a little way. You no. You so put like your heart I, into uh, it. I'm kind of a pedal to the metal guy. I move really fast. Um, sometimes that gets me in trouble, uh, but for the <laughs> most part, it's worked out. Um, and then I have surrounded myself with just these really incredible, talented people. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of you know, I'm really good at the 90%. It's the last 10% that I sometimes mm-hmm. need help with. Um, and they're really incredible about kind of getting me to the, right. to the finish. Like Leah being one of them. Um, you know, Casey, who runs Seven Oaks uh, for us. Th- you know, those people um, kind of get me there. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about Seven Oaks um, Grand Coteau. Seven Oaks Grand Coteau, LLC. Mm-hmm. That's where most of the real estate— That's where 99% of my real estate is held. So you had your first home in Grand Coteau, then you— rented it out and started buying other properties. Um, Before we get into the Seven Oaks, I guess I'm looking at you as still being so young. And so many people say they can't afford to get into a house. And I know that you've worked hard and you have your law degree and all, but you've not only gotten into your own house, you've like, you've got tons of rent homes. And And you talk about that, like getting loans and how you were able to do this. Yeah. So, you know, at first, um, very traditional route, you know, the first one kind of saved up. You know, it was a local bank, and I think because we were going to live in it, they allowed like a 10% down type thing, 90% financed. Um, you know, and it was a $70,000 house, so I had to save up seven grand. And mm-hmm. we the, very, the first one, we did the very traditional, what I would consider kind of the uneducated way of doing it, just going to a bank, paying your 10% down. Um, my wife and I, over Christmas break of my third year of law school, we did a <laughs> bunch of renovations to it. Mm-hmm. Um, new kitchen, redid the floors, painted it. Um, got it reappraised and it reappraised, you know, at 105. Now I had bought it at 70. It's mm-hmm. now worth 105. Didn't click in my head at that time other than, well, this is great. I did Pretty it right. Good return. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, a few years later when we go to buy the next house, it's like, well, I have 35,000 in equity in that house. Why do I have to put the 10% down again? And at that point, the light bulb went off and it was like, Let's mm-hmm. leverage what we already have. Mm-hmm. The note is more than enough. The rent's more than enough to cover the note. I can take the equity I have here to leverage for the house number two. I don't have to come out of pocket with cash. And the rent from house number two is more than enough to cover the note on house mm-hmm. number two. And then— I need my legal pad. Yeah, and then there's, right. some, <laughs> there's some equity in house number two, and you just kind of roll. And so, uh-huh. you know, our portfolio is definitely— you know, we, I believe in the philosophy of leverage. Um, to think that I came up with 10, 15, 20% down on all these houses, yeah, every it's house just, there's just no separate. way. Uh-huh. You know, I might, if I had to do it that way, I might be at 15 or 20 houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once kind of I, I realized the Which leverage. Which would still be good. Let me say, you'd still have fair. five years, yeah. to, you know, <laughs> to buy the other 20. Um, the, you know, once I figured out the leverage piece, I got to 25 houses really quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and then at that point, uh, you know, Big believer in community banks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being able to walk in and speak to your banker and explain these deals, they don't always fit into this pretty little box like some, I think, the bigger national banks kind of mm-hmm. want you in. Um, and so community banking, without that, it couldn't be possible. And so, But they also have a tendency, if you grow too, too fast, they're going to pause you. And, and when I got to 25 houses, I remember being paused for the first time. Are the they banks. all with the same bank? Or you, they, they know. They can check and see what Oh, yeah. Doing they can now. check and see. And then yeah. they require personal financials. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be really upfront and honest with these these bankers because it's a really small circle. They all know. Federal law. Yeah. You know, those kind um, of things. Yeah. And so 
the first 25 were two banks. Okay. Two local banks. And uh, that's when they, they paused me. They wanted to see my loan season or get some mm-hmm. some time under their belts. Wanted to see some some tax returns off the rentals. And um, that ha- that lasted for probably two years where I kind of got stalled. Uh-huh. Um, and then at that point, I just went headfirst all in into Maison Title in my law practice. And growing that as big and quickly as I could. Yeah, um, it, it is. I mean, yeah. it's got a great reputation. And, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah. work really hard at that. We, uh, you know, we're a little bit different style-wise than maybe most what people would expect from title attorneys. You know, we're blue jeans, polo shirts, real casual mm-hmm. um, kind of firm. And we just want to give a nice, comfortable place to close and have a little fun doing it. So you've got your real estate practice at— um, Maison Title. This Seven Oaks is run by, you have a manager that oversees all the properties? I do. I have a full-time property manager. Her name's Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sh- there's uh, the assistant property manager that's underneath there in Grankto. And then we have a, f- a whole different property manager in our Leesville because we have a couple apartment complexes near Fort Polk um, that we have an on-site manager there. Um, and then there's three to five maintenance guys at any given time that are full-time. How many properties do you think Seven Oaks uh, has at this point? So properties is tough for me to say, but I can tell you doors. So everything in my mind is mm-hmm. in how many rentable doors we have. So we have a little, probably a little over 425 units. So some doors. of them are townhouse Yeah, setups. so we have the two apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. So in Leesville, we have 160 units. Um, between the apartment complexes. Um, and then we probably have another 140 single-family units. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest would be, you know, duplexes, triplexes, commercial properties, those type of things. I mean, to do this by yourself would be impossible. But Absolutely. You, you've had to learn how to scale as you've grown, like how many employees can handle yeah, so it's always jobs. a tricky thing. And, and this is in every business. This isn't just Seven Oaks. It's been in Maison. It's been in everything. It's, it's um, you know, you're always at the point where you need the extra employee before you can probably afford them. Mm-hmm. And so it's learning how to navigate that kind of cash flow conundrum where you, you definitely have enough work and you need the help in order to get to the next level. But you almost kind of got to take a little bit of a gamble mm-hmm. or leap of faith to hire them you know, with the belief that you'll get to the next level, which is when you can really afford that position. So, you know, I think it's just any small business. It's always like this weird conundrum of of you generally need the help before Mm -hmm. you have the income to support it. I've been hearing so much in the news lately, Chris, about a lack of affordable housing. And I know you've heard all those same things. Can you describe the the type of real estate you have? And, you know, I don't know. I didn't even ask you before the, the price range of properties that you owned, but what are you seeing in the market for people that maybe can't afford to buy or want to buy, but they just can't afford two fifty and up? You know. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think um, you know for our housing market, if we could get, you know, I think we have a lack of the one fifty to two fifty mm-hmm. range. I think that's kind of the sweet spot for probably the you know sixty percent of our population. Um, you know, and and even as a closing attorney, that's you know. Anything above 300, we're not seeing a ton move, mm-hmm. at least in my practice. A lot of our stuff is in the 200 to 300. That's right. where it's moving. Um, so I definitely think there's a void in the market in that 150 to 250. Now, I think there's a couple local builders that do an incredible job to kind of stay in the sweet spot. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just, there's a national housing shortage. There's a local housing shortage. There's a regional housing shortage. So, you know, kind of until we get more builders or developers kind of committed to that 150 mm-hmm. to 250 range. I think we're going to stay in that that little bubble. Um, but for Seven Oaks, we have everything from your $550 rental all the way up to, you know, your $2,500 $2, rental. Okay. Um, so 
we don't we haven't kind of stayed within a certain class of properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have you know C plus all the way to A plus. In, uh, in Lafayette housing. Parish, St. Landry, Landry Parish, Lafayette Parish, and we have a few in Iberia Parish. Yeah. yeah the advocate's really been covering this and showing how, you know, Vermilion's now kind of a sweet spot yep. for people. I figure you'll be looking up there too. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, with rentals, it's, it's a, uh, um, you know, you're dodging flood zones. Yeah. And so uh, that's a bit, you, you get a bit of that in the rental game. Um, you know, if you think flood insurance for a primary residence is expensive, price out a flood insurance policy for a rental. Oh, uh, for whatever reason, it's just a lot more expensive. And so uh, we do a bit of that. Uh, you know, you might find an incredible deal and then you run the flood maps, you know, on the mm-hmm. LSU website and smack yeah. dab in a flood zone. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, these rentals, you know, you you do well when you have quantity. Um, and so, you know, the goal is, our, our goal, our philosophy is we want to net or cash flow between 200, a minimum of $200 to $250 per month. Okay. Well, if you throw on another $1,000 flood insurance policy, right. it can be hard. Yeah. You throw on another $1,000 flood insurance policy, that's an extra 75, 80 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You start eating at the profit. There's just so, those things you got to look at. Yeah. Um, they, they matter. So yeah, dodging flood zones is a big part of it because there are some incredible markets where you can get high rents, $1,200, $1,500 rents because the housing is so expensive. Um, but the, you can't make it work when you add in the insurance and the property tax numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's your typical renter? Do you know? Like, do you have a demographic? Isn't, so it, it's it's area by area. Um, you know, I would probably say the vast majority of our, our tenants are female. Uh, we get a lot of moms. Um, we get a lot of small families. Um and then there's some areas where we get a lot of, uh, it's odd, but, you know, we have this cluster of houses uh, in Upper Lafayette, and it seems like all of them are guys that drive 18-wheelers um, <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. Where it gets so, around. Yeah. So um, it's CB radio. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's uh, even still in existence. <laughs> so I, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, area by area, price range by price mm-hmm. range. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I would bet 70% of our tenants are females. Mm-hmm. We have a place uh, on UL's campus. It's private, but I mean, we rent to students typically, and, you know, that'll turn over from year to year, and we like, to, but once we get in that small group, like sorority girls, yep, <laughs> they all absolutely. are waiting in line, and their yep. parents show up with the check, and I'm like, sold, you yeah, know, absolutely. but to multiply this times a few hundred, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've seen how much work it is for one condo that's relatively new and in good right. condition, you know? Yeah. And you, and you get those too, you know, like you'll, you'll buy a deal where on paper it makes perfect sense and all the numbers work and you get into it and it's just a maintenance nightmare, mm-hmm. but you could have never known that had until you yeah. got in it. Um, you have longer you, term tenants where, where we you do. rent. Yeah. So we, you know, we're over. minimum a year lease. Um, but you know, I have had, I have tenants that have been with me for seven, eight mm-hmm. years. Since you started. Yep. Uh, I have tenants that I bought the property and kind of inherited the tenant and they've been there for 25 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think there's a stigma that tenants, you know, they'll destroy houses and they'll tear things up and it's not a good way to, to, to make a living. But, you know, I found that if you treat the tenants well, they yeah. treat you and your property well. That's and a lot of them, yeah. you know, they think of it as their own home. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, if you treat them well, they treat you and your property well. So I don't have a ton of like the, oh my God, they destroyed my house stories. Mm-hmm. Like we no just Joe don't. Walsh showing up. And no, we, we, we've we had, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've, uh, <laughs> but the house. we, uh, well, I don't have many of those, mm-hmm. maybe one or two in, in all of our properties in all of the years uh-huh. where they was like, they got yeah. me. As, a, as an attorney, this, I was thinking about, have you ever had to evict someone? Like, have you ever had, 
issues with the economy, like during COVID or something? Was it rough for people? So COVID, actually, we we our portfolio, we were very fortunate. Um, now there was some where we had to like, you know, kind of work with them. Maybe rent was late. Maybe waive some late mm-hmm. fees. But you know, uh, especially in Lafayette Parish, they had a lot of rental assistance programs that helped. Um, and we, I just you know, really educated myself on what, those programs and how to you know, uh, apply. And so when tenants would come to me, we would assist them and say like, well, look, they have this rental assistance program. Mm-hmm. I think that you might qualify. Um, and we would do it that way. Uh, but yes, I probably evicted oh, hundreds of people in my career. You have, it, it happens. But you knew yeah. how to do it, huh? Yeah. 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 It happens. Um, yeah. You know, some people just... Nobody wants to do that. No, and, and typically we're, we're pretty lenient with them. And, and we definitely have the, you know, the handful of tenants where it's, you know, we understand the process with them every month and mm-hmm. we've kind of, you know, make some calls to them, but they always come through. Um, it, it takes, you got to push me pretty far before I'll mm-hmm. file an eviction. You glad you went to law school? Very glad I went to law school um, because I know what I charge uh, a landlord to evict somebody. And if I had to pay that every time, there's no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But also you're self-taught in the industry itself, but you right. had that legal acumen to help you. Yeah. And it also you know? helps to me in kind of getting through those like tough situations with the tenant before I have to get to eviction. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if you want to go down this road, it costs yeah. me a hundred bucks in city court. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like and you're gonna lose all your stuff, right? Like let's just look. If you need this certain amount of time, then just communicate with me. Mm-hmm. I'm big on like if you're gonna be late, that's fine. Just communicate it with me so we can come up with a game plan. And then when we agree on something, just stick to the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if I'm chasing you, then I just think the worst. And right, yeah. Well, how is uh, the commercial property market different for you? Because you are now in you know big time with yeah. the Jefferson <laughs> Abacus. I know you have warehouses. You've got big properties. Yes, ma'am. Uh, that's been a. That was a. Um, in some ways, it's a lot easier than residential. Um, so I found that it's much more difficult to put the deal together, uh, meaning to get through underwriting, get through the bank appraisal process. That's a lot more difficult. Um, but dealing with the tenants um, and the properties has been a lot easier than well, the residential market. Let's start with the Jefferson, the old Jefferson Street pub. That was a bank. Yes, ma'am. In the past. Um, it's 15,000 square feet. I it's mean, a big it's one. It's huge yeah. and it's beautiful. But, it's the I mean, coolest building downtown in my opinion. But wasn't that a $2.5 million <laughs> It was, yes, purchase. ma'am. That, that was one of my bigger, um, you know, other than the apartment complexes, which to me in my mind, while it's a big price, it's like a per door price in my mind is how you work it. So this was my biggest like mm-hmm. single property in my yeah. mind, uh, purchase. So it's, it's got residential upstairs or apartments. It does. It has five apartments upstairs. And then two parking. Two commercial units downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it came with a lot for it that It did location. come with a lot. And then the parking lot next door, which I think is going to be an extremely valuable piece of property down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not too many empty lots on Jefferson Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, where we're at in the 500 block, that's, you know, smack dab dead center yeah. of downtown. So, um, and I just, uh, you know, I love downtown. I love everything that the DOU and the DDA were doing. Um, I'm excited about the new uh, DDA CEO. Good. Kevin Super ex- Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited I'll about him. I'll have to have him on. Yeah, he's, he's a— um, He's a gun He just guy. knows his stuff, I man. Know. He, he just he knows his stuff. And he's, yeah. I'm really excited about him. I loved working with Anita, his predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they really kind of got me jazzed up about downtown, um, which is why we moved— when we came to Lafayette, we we located Maison Title mm-hmm. downtown, and then um, I just wanted to get a bigger chunk of it. And when this came up, it 
it just made sense. Mm-hmm. Well, what it's an event rental place, right? The Jefferson. That's correct. Yeah. So, do you have a separate company that you partner with to help put on these events? Yeah. So, uh, the Jefferson. Um, I mean, you can kind of bring in, um, you know, any caterer, any uh, DJ or band or flower guy. We, I mean, we're really just the um, event space, and we have a you know a uh, a daily rate to rent it and is based on the day of the week and whether we're what we call in season or out of season for weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we provide the bar um, because of the liquor license requirements. We have to be the ones to provide the bar. Um, and uh, yeah. So, and then, you know, a lot of the catering is done by Abacus, um, mm-hmm. which is one of our restaurants. Um, and then we have tons downtown inside the same building. They do a lot of the, a yeah. lot of catering as well. T-O-N apostrophe S. Yes. Out of Broussard originally. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So do you serve, are you a bartender also? I am not a bartender. <laughs> so I, funny story is I Good was time. a wedding bartender in college <laughs> and pretty much every Friday and Saturday night for all of undergrad oh, wow. I bartended. That's a great way to get through college. Man, it's a fun cash. gig. It's a yeah. fun gig. It's cash. Um, you know, kind of had the shoebox in the closet mm-hmm. um, with your tip money. And, uh, you know, I worked at Circuit City full time, if you remember Circuit oh, City. yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you were in college? I did, yeah. Sold uh, TV, audio, video equipment. So TVs, oh home theater systems. Yeah, your your car, stereo systems. That's what I did. During undergrad. College. During undergrad. Yeah, because they don't and let you work too much in, not in, law, I mean, in a law school. No. Yeah. Um, in law school, I was a teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. So when you if you make good grades in law school, they'll pay, pay you to help out the professors second and third year. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did second and third yeah. year. How did you come to purchase Abacus? Um, so Abacus was— On uh, Pinhook. Well, correct. Road. Yep. So yep. Abacus um, was founded and started by my uh, wife's parents, so Robert and Sharon Fruget. Um, and they wanted to retire a little while ago. And uh, we—yeah, uh, so we bought it uh, as kind of part of their exit strategy retirement plan. Um, and it's it's been great. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 And so that's your, your wife's— Parents, Correct. is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my uh, my father-in-law, he was a he was an attorney, a title attorney for twenty five years, I guess, uh, in Sunset and Grangto. Um, and then they kind of started the wedding event business and had some. We call them ballrooms. Yeah. Every building's called a ballroom, but they had some event space ballrooms throughout Acadiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of transitioned out of law probably a year or two before I went to law school, and. Uh, then he, uh, yeah, he kind of just took off with that. And then Abacus came in the earlier 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're in their 60s now and just kind of at that point where they were right. ready to retire. And so um, it's a good business. It made sense. It came at a time when I was looking to kind of get into something additional. And so it made sense for us mm-hmm. to purchase it from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I read online that you have a warehouse that Straw Cove Bakery uses if you want to talk about your relationship with them. Yeah. So Straw Cove Baking Company, um, it's uh, two ladies, Morgan and Danae. Um, They're incredible uh, people, super creative. Um, Morgan is a classically trained chef. Um, She worked at a bunch of restaurants and bakeries in New Orleans um, from Bro Bridge originally. And they, you know, they just wanted to move home. Uh, I had this warehouse on Monroe Street that I, I bought it with a certain plan in mind that plan fell through and they kind of came 
about the time that that plan fell through and just through conversation, we um, decided that, you know, why don't we open our own bakery? Why don't we fresh mill our own flour here in Lafayette? Why can't we do what they're doing in New Orleans here? Um, And Morgan and Danae were all in on it. And so uh, we renovated the warehouse, um, kind of came in as a— retrofit it for— For a bakery, yeah. yeah, So it was set up— what I understand is that it used to be the place where Lafayette Parish school systems sandwiches were assembled and made, oh. um, and back in the '90s. And so it was already a, like a health department commercial kitchen. I see. Uh, we just had to do, you know, some sprucing up and then some retrofitting for what Morgan and Danae needed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we did that. Um, kind of invested some with them to get it started. Um, and their full blown, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, production now they're in Champagnes, uh, Little Verons. Um, they provide. To a lot of local restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can buy their flour. Uh, you can also buy their their bagels, yeah, their yeah. croissants, everything. Um, and then I saw this morning that they posted that they just announced they're going to start doing some baking classes. So, oh my goodness, you can sign up for a that would be fun. bread baking class, um, which I think is going to be super fun. I think I'd love to sign up for it. It sounds like a good date night mm-hmm. kind of. They might cut your thing. break. Huh? Yeah, they might. They might. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some guys or gals that work for a company for 45 years and wait for that gold watch. And that's, that's not you. No, ma'am. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I I just, I I think I just moved too fast. I wasn't blessed with patience. Um, And yeah, I just always knew that I was going to do my own thing. Uh What your parents, um, I know you had mentioned me before, they, they worked a more traditional they did, Feels. yeah. So my dad, uh, he was a welder by trade um, and then kind of worked his way up to, uh, I think it's called like a project superintendent. Um, so he worked in oil refineries his whole life, kind of chased turnarounds um, and did that. And then my mom was a preschool teacher. So between your parents and your wife, you probably have some people asking, wait, <laughs> you know, what are a you lot. doing? I think I scare a lot of people. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife, Megan, she's been super trusting um, in this process. Um, you know, as we've grown. Um, so I think she's kind of built a tolerance up to me and my endeavors a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was definitely some, are you sure? Let's talk this through. Why are you moving so fast conversations? Um, yeah. Think, the same age. So much. she's three years younger than me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a lot to yeah. take on. She's 32. Yeah. 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 So, but. Uh, and then, yeah. then the five boys. Yeah, and then we have five boys, um, which is uh, a a job in and of itself. They're Mm -hmm. incredible, Uh, and she's an incredible mom, but uh, it's a lot, you know? And then when I get home, she has boy number six, and so she has six boys to take care of because I just come home and get them all riled up again. Here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go play uh, in the backyard. Exactly, (laughs) yep. So, um, so yeah, so it's a lot. Yeah. Any— any thoughts, you know, like anything you thought I might ask you, I want you to share the story because I, I just am enamored with what you're doing. I mean, it's it's a leap of faith and also methodically following your plan now, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people will ask me like how and, you know, are you not scared or, you know, obviously when you acquire this many properties, you also acquire a large amount of debt, you know, and when you write mm-hmm. the number down, it's kind of eye-popping for a lot of people. Um, I just think I've just really been confident in my ability to make some more money tomorrow kind of thing. You know, like um, I'm not a very money-motivated person. Um, You know, I'm more motivated with my boys getting a better head start than I had, um, which is not not saying anything bad about my parents. Um, It's just the fact of life. That's where we were, and I wanted my boys to get a little bit better of a head start. 
um, than I had. Um, and that's really the thing that's always motivated me and kind of just keeps me going um, is just, you know, the best part about money is we're going to make some more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and created so, it in the first place. Right. You know, you know that it can be done. Absolutely. Number of times. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel confident in my ability to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. It's that mindset of abundance. And you had mentioned that to me. You know, when I met with you, I disclosed I'm, I'm an just renewed my title insurance license and back at the law firm, which is at the next corner. And your response was so lovely. You said, you know, there's plenty for all of us. There's enough for us all to eat. You know, I've always been that mentality. I'm not, um, I'm never like a super kind of like cutthroat or like I won't share with you because you'll take from me kind of thing. It's, it's, I just believe that there's enough for us all to eat and we're all going to do well. And why can't we all just have a little bit of fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) making a decent living? Any advice for people listening that may uh, took your question, Jason? You did take it. That's fine. <laughs> Any advice for people that maybe would aspire to follow in your footsteps about you know being a professional and having these investments on the side in, in real estate? Yeah, I think um, you know just come up with a plan that you believe in and just stick to it. Um, I think just just jump. You know, uh, you won't get anywhere until you jump. You know, I joke with the the ladies in my office a lot that, you know, a lot of what I do is kind of jumping out of the airplane and learning to fly on the way down in hopes that I can fly before I hit the ground. Um, and I just think sometimes you just have to jump. Mm-hmm. Educated jumps. Mm-hmm. Don't just go willingly. But uh, I think that is what holds up probably 90% of people is that they just won't jump. Fear. Yep. Yeah. So just just jump. It'll work out. Everything will work out the exact way it's supposed to work out. Do you have plans or have you in the past developed property? It seems like what I knew about you bought existing real estate, you know, buildings and then maybe retrofitted, but do you have plans to? Yeah. So actually in the past, I've done a couple like kind of micro development projects where you, we buy some larger pieces of property and cut them up into five to 10 lots. Mm -hmm. Um, We did a couple of them in Sunset, one in Grand Coteau, um, and we built anywhere from four to eight um, little cottage homes that we built and then sold. Um, And that worked really well pre-COVID. And I just haven't found the right deal to make it work Mm -hmm. post-COVID just because of pricing and interest rates. Um, A lot of it, you know, a lot of those developments have to be, you know, 50 lots or more in order to make the numbers work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I've never done, but always been interested in. Um, But that's a... That's a project. That's a whole company right. in and of itself is right. developing something that big. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Jason Sakura, you're taking notes and I am laughing at some of the conversation, <laughs> nodding your head. Well, I because I, I think I can relate to so much of this. Chris, thank you for being here. Yeah, I mean, this idea of of we'll figure it out. Like I love that mm-hmm. mentality. Very solution focused. Just accept the problem and move on. Right. I, like I'm hearing all of these things that at 45 and like you've mastered them at 35. I don't know if I've mastered. Well, uh, much more but, than, uh, than I have anyway. Yeah, I think you know. Um, you know. I, I think just like I can only focus. So I tell people this all the time is like, you know, that's a tomorrow problem, mm-hmm. meaning that I can't conceptualize a problem until I'm confronted with it. Mm-hmm. So when because I'm mentally able to kind of block out everything that may possibly 
happen in the future. Yeah. Like I feel like it eliminates a lot of stress from me. And so like I'll get to a problem, I'll solve it. And then when I get to the next problem, I'll worry about that problem. But yeah. until then, it's not real to me. There's no point in stressing over something right. that you don't even know what it is right. and setting all these ideas on it. Yeah. Cause that. I mean, I could come up with a million problems that may possibly happen to me mm-hmm. and I could yep. just be stuck here in fear and stress. And then manifest those problems. And then <laughs> manifest yeah, the problems. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry. No. Yeah. Yep. So my my first real question was, we were talking about your schedule and you've hit it on a few times, like how crazy it is. Like I thought my schedule was busy, yep. but man, it pales in comparison to yours. Any tips or tricks for maintaining any sort of semblance of, you know, how to get through a day and stay on task? Yeah. So um, I live and die by my calendar. So I figured okay. Microsoft Outlook, um, it's where all my emails, every company has the exact same platform. And so all the companies calendars get put onto mine. Um, and so I, I live, if it's not on the calendar, I'm not going to be there. I Got just you. won't, I wake up every day and I figure out what my day is. And I, I like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow because Got it's you. just so much today. I'll figure out tomorrow. Um, and so just, yeah, that's the only way I've been able to stay organized. And even still with that, there's still things that Oh, sir. Forget. Yeah. 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 No, I like that. Just focus on today. Yeah. I just mean, what a way to be present in the moment is right, yeah. you don't have to worry about tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. There's obviously trends and patterns in the housing market. Where are we right now and where do you think we're headed in the next few years? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in primary residence closings or purchases okay. um, kind of in the back half of January. Um, going into February, we had our, our closing count kind of pick up a bit. Um, and sitting at the closing table, you know, obviously I see everyone's interest rate. Um, mm-hmm. And so not that I'm looking at any particular person's interest rate, but just kind of making mental notes. I, I've definitely seen them tick down. I've, you know, for the first time in a while, starting to see, you know, five in front of things. Oh, that's uh, so miracle. we're still in the high, you know, yeah. primary residences, high fives. Um, I think a, another factor is that I think the general public is getting over the sticker shock of like, oh my God, my neighbor got 3%. Why am I not going to get 3% yeah. now? Um, I think we had those two years of just uh, mm-hmm. unrealistic times. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we are interest rate wise now is pretty close to where we were pre-COVID before everything tanked. So okay. uh, we're sense. not yeah. all that different than where we were pre-COVID. Um, and so I think people are realizing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a great 2024. You know, it, it always helps economy wise when you have a presidential election, oh, uh, regardless of your affiliation. It just happens when you have a presidential election, uh, things tend to get fixed or corrected. Um, and so I think 2024 is going to be great. Awesome. Yeah. And housing prices went up a little bit through COVID? They did. They, okay. went, up, they went up a good bit. Yeah. yeah okay. Through COVID. Now the, the hard part is while we're, our interest rates are kind of coming back down, I don't, at least I haven't seen the price of the housing kind of come down mm-hmm. since the interest rates went up. Gotcha. So it's like, we're still carrying the COVID house prices, but we're carrying instead of 3% interest rates, you're buying it at six and a half, seven percent It just makes it impossible. Well, I mean, as long as appliances and hiring a plumber is more expensive, I think the houses Everything. are going to be more expensive. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Make, makes sense. Hobbies. When you have free time, <laughs> whenever that happens to be, yep. what do you like to do? Is it, you know, do you manage to get in a half hour TV show or fishing or bike riding? Yeah. So um, I'm a big TV junkie. So okay. there's like specific shows that I like to watch. Um, uh, I'm a big deer hunter. 
So um, in the fall, if I if I have free time, typically I go hunting. Um, And then my uh, I coach my oldest flag football team, which is the absolute coolest, funnest thing I do in my life is coaching my nine year olds flag football team. Third grade flag football. There's nothing more serious than third grade flag football. (laughs) And the parents of the third grade. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. Uh, Yeah, that's all on your calendar. It is all on my calendar. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Miss the game. Uh, Yeah. So. no, it's just, yeah, we, you know, practice on Sunday afternoons, we play on Monday nights, mm-hmm. you know, and that's about awesome. to start in a few weeks. So oh we're about to Good start luck. our spring season. Yeah. It's What's super the name fun. of the team? So we were traditionally have been the Packers and we won a bunch of league, <laughs> league, league championships in a row. And then <laughs> we uh, changed to the Patriots last year and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, oh my goodness. Go. So I think Karma. the team is voting to go back to the Packers. So I okay. think we'll be the Packers again. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Solid name. Yeah. Solid yeah. Midwest yep. football name. Are they sponsored by Maison Title? <laughs> no. So yep. this is just the um, Acadiana AFFA flag uh-huh. football league. They kind of do it all. You just sign them up. Yeah. yeah. And then me and a couple other dads from my kid, my son's school mm-hmm. coach. And it's like I said, it's my absolute favorite yeah. thing in the world to do. You're going to be so glad you did that too. Yeah. I know you're glad today. Yeah. It's you'll super be so fun. Glad yeah. It's super back. fun. I bet it's a riot. Like watching kids run around in general, chasing each other with you know, grabbing tags. Yeah. Fun. It's so fun. And then like, you know, so we started playing when they were in kindergarten. There's third <laughs> oh, yeah. graders okay. now. Right. And yeah. so to watch them physically, progress, you know, and then he's with the same group of boys the whole time. And you can just see kind of how they're building these friendships and connections. And it's, it's so much fun. That's awesome. It also helps that they're pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, Finally, I know you talked about like development or mini development, but, you know, assuming that you've looked ahead the next three, five, seven years, what haven't you done yet that you want to get your hands dirty with? Man, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I think I want to try to tackle a little bit more uh, bigger commercial deals, kind of like I did with uh, the Jefferson or okay. the office building on Pinhook. Um, I want to tackle a little bit more than that. I think I've gotten my feel of maybe the single family residences at least for a while. Okay. Um, yeah, because th- those are like I said, they're they're harder to put together. Mm-hmm. They're harder to get through underwriting and banking. Um, and so you got to work a little bit harder. And so that's kind of intriguing to me. Okay, um, it's because I don't feel like I've mastered how to get through that yet. And so that's probably where the focus will be. Gotcha. It's yeah. exciting, Chris. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Well, Chris, yeah, thanks again for stopping by our building. And hey, when we're done, I'll give you a quick tour. And yeah, this place is incredible. Show off the kitchen. Yeah, in the yeah y'all yeah. did an incredible job. Dude, thank this you very awesome. much. And thanks for being here, Jan. Thanks again. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason, for, for recording us today. And I know we've mentioned we're in the former Piccadilly building, but yep. until you walk in, it's it's just like a whole nother world. You don't realize how different it is. No, it really is. You know, from the outside, obviously there's, it looked different, but walking in and like, mm-hmm. like I said, when I got it's here, huge. seeing from the front all the way to the back, it's mm-hmm. just, this space is incredible. Yeah. Yep. Incredible job. Thank you. Yep. yep. Well, thank you. And look, I want to thank you, Chris um, Granger, owner of Seven Oaks Grand Coteau and Mason Title for joining us today and sharing your story. So yep. I want to see you again real soon. Awesome. Thanks, Jan. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners. We're so grateful for your loyal support. If you haven't, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit discoverlafayette.net and look at the directory. We have over 370 interviews. Uh, you can find Chris Granger's interview along with many, many others. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, I also want to thank our sponsors. Of course, Raider, Vimed and Oxner Lafayette General. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, thank you for listening. I'm Jan Swift. Mm-hmm.